Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, we're going to start here in verse 25. It says, what does it say? Luke 25. There it is. Just then, a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. He posed this question. Teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? The religious scholar answered, it states you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. Jesus said, that is correct. Now go and do exactly that and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further saying, what do you mean by my neighbor. So here in a minute, we're going to get into a very familiar parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. But before we jump into the parable, I want to point out a couple things here with this religious scholar. First of all, the religious scholar comes to him not to learn from Jesus, but to prove him wrong. We know his intention right from the very start of this, uh, this passage because it says there in verse, in verse 25, it says the religious scholar stood before him in order to test his doctrine. So he didn't approach Jesus in a way to learn from him. He didn't see Jesus as the great rabbi. He came to test Jesus. He came to put Jesus in his place, right? And he came very well prepared because when Jesus said, well, what does the law say of Moses? He quotes two passages. He quotes a passage from Deuteronomy and he quotes a passage from Leviticus. He knew exactly what he needed to say in response to Jesus's question. He came prepared, ready for an argument. He was ready to argue. So he asks, he tells Jesus, this is how, this is what the law of Moses says. It says to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, which is, comes from Deuteronomy. But then it says to love your neighbor as yourself, which comes from Leviticus. And here's the deal. The scholar probably realized that that phrase is something him and Jesus would agree on. To love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Like it's in the law. He knew that they would agree, have agreement on that passage. But then it says, when Jesus says, okay, that's exactly right. Go and do. So it says in order to justify himself, the Greek word, I can't remember what it is, but it means, it means to prove yourself right or to, uh, to, uh, to, to show yourself uh, adjust or to prove yourself right. And so in this moment, he's saying, he said, in order to justify himself, in order to prove his point, he asked Jesus, what do you mean by my neighbor? So he knew that there would be agreement within the passage, but then the, where he wanted to challenge Jesus was what did he mean by neighbor? Who does neighbor refer to? See, for the religious scholar, you can go back and look in the Old Testament and you realize that for him, neighbor meant Jewish brother. Neighbor meant somebody who looked like him, somebody who believed like him, somebody who had honor and mutual honor and mutual and respect. 
So he, he realized that that's how he saw neighbor. But I think what he was trying to do was say, Jesus, this is, this is who your neighbor should be. But you've been hanging out with sinners and you've been hanging out with tax collectors and you've been doing all these other things. I think you've got your definition, definition of neighbor incorrectly, right? So he's trying to challenge Jesus in this moment. Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And that's the question we have here before us today. Who is your neighbor? What do you mean by your neighbor? And Jesus' response is this. Jesus replied, listen, and I will tell you. There was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when a bandit or bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest walking, the, walking down the same road came up upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road, walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to the room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words. Take care of him until I come back from my journey. It will, if it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So now tell me, which one of these three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor? The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Boom. Jesus put him in his place, didn't he? Jesus said, you must go and do the same as he at first glance, it looks like Jesus is simply answering the man's question of who is your neighbor, right? Jesus is saying, everyone is your neighbor. Those in need, the, anybody in front of you, that is who your neighbor is. It's not just the one who looks like you. It's actually everyone. It's, it's the one who doesn't look like you. It's your enemy. It's your friend. It's the one who's in need. It's the one who's not in need. We, that everyone is your neighbor, to be kind and to help everybody. And that is absolutely true. But as I was reading this passage, I started realizing if that was the only point Jesus was trying to get across, then why would he make the Samaritan the hero of the story instead of making the Samaritan the broken man on the side of the road? Think about it. If Jesus' only point in the story was to say that the Samaritan, which as many of you have heard us talk about before, the Samaritan was looked down upon by the Jew. They were a mixed breed. They were half Gentile. They were half Jewish. Their doctrine was completely different than the Jewish people. And there was this animosity between the Jewish man and the Samaritan. So wouldn't it make sense if Jesus' point was to to prove that, that the Samaritan was your neighbor and that you should help the Samaritan, wouldn't it have made more sense for the Samaritan to be the broken man instead of the hero of the story? What else is Jesus trying to say in this parable? Because listen, I think for us in the 21st century here, it is the 21st century, right? The 21st century, 
for us, it's obvious. We know the answer to this question. If I were to ask anybody in this room, who is your neighbor? What is Jesus saying in this story? We would all say, well, everyone is our neighbor. Those in need, everyone is our neighbor. None of us would, 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 uh, would narrow that down, right? I would assume. We would all agree that we should be kind and help anybody that's in need. So what else is Jesus saying in this story? What else is he trying to prove by making the Samaritan the hero of the story? The man's problem, the religious man, the scholar that's asking Jesus this question, his problem wasn't just that he didn't have the correct definition of neighbor. It was also that he didn't have the right understanding of what it looks like to love God with all of your heart, all of your passion, all of your energy and every thought. You see, he was asking what it looks like to be your neighbor, but Jesus was giving him the full answer. Not just what it looks like to love your neighbor, but what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's the clue to the answer to this riddle that we have. Look at the first two men that came down the road. Who were the first two men? The first man that came strutting down the road was a priest, a religious priest, a Jewish priest, a man that would have been viewed full of integrity right? A man, uh, and, and even the Levite, look at the second man, the Levite walking down the road. Levites were, if, as you, if you remember of the 12 tribes of Judah, of the 12 tribes of Israel, not of Judah, the 12 tribes of Israel, the Levites were the ones who served in the tabernacle. They were the ones who served alongside the priest and offered up sacrifices who burned incense day and night and night and day to the Lord. They were the ones who would have known the Torah, the first, which are the first five books of the Bible the, and the prophets. They would have known those things forward and backwards. They knew their scripture because they would have been trained from a very young age to know the Bible. And they would have had much of it memorized. They could have quoted you Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They could have quoted you all of those things. They knew the Bible forward and backwards. Yet when they walked down the road, these highly religious people, these religious, the, these men who were, were pure morally, and uh, I, I, I call them, the, they had religious snobbery, right? They were just high class religious snobs. They walk down the road. They see the broken man who, who was scripture, uh, uh, scripture um, uh, gives the indication that this man would have also been Jewish. They see him broken on the side of the road. What is their reaction? They walk around the broken man and keep going. This is God's chosen people. The priest who ministers before the Lord offers incense day and night. The ones who you would have thought or who, who would tell you that they love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yet they walked around the broken man. And then comes the Samaritan. The one who by the, who by the Jewish religious Jews uh, would have considered a half-breed. Would have considered not worthy of the covenant. Whose who's uh, actually even just a chapter before 
a village of Samaritans rejected Jesus. Jesus went into their city and they rejected him. They told him to leave. These people who, who they had their own version of the Torah, that their religious views, that their doctrine was completely skewed and messed up. And this is the man that Jesus uses in the parable to be the hero. And he walks up to the man who is broken. He sees him. And instead of walking around him, he begins bandaging his wounds. He begins stopping the bleeding and, and disinfecting the wounds. He picks him up, the man who couldn't walk on his own, and sets him on his donkey. Carries him off to an end. Carries him out of his way. Carries him to an end and pays for the man's stay so he could get well. It cost him something. This is the, the man. This is the man Jesus chooses to use in the parable to explain the story. Jesus is not only telling him who his neighbor was. Jesus is showing him how to love God. That not only do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, body, and will, and all that other stuff, but you actually love God by loving your neighbor. You show love to God by loving what he loves. By loving who he loves. That, and in the story, again, the priest who supposedly loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength walked around the man. But the man who, who Jesus uses to define what it looks like to be a true neighbor and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the Samaritan who stopped on the road to help the man who God loves. That you love God by loving your neighbor. You love God by loving your neighbor. Amen? You're all quiet this morning. Here is the mistake we often fall into. We think that if we love God well, we will naturally and automatically love other people. Right? That if we love God well enough, if we call ourselves Christians, then we automatically love people. But the reality is that that's not true. That we have to actually be intentional to love other people. That we can actually love God and have a disdain for what he loves in other people. If you don't believe me, put two Christian people of opposing political views in a small room together for a half an hour. And I will show you that you can love God and have disdain for another person, right? That we can love God and still look down upon the drug addict. That we can love God and we can still, uh, we can actually avoid those who are broken and beaten. We can love God and still disdain our neighbor. And if, and if you, this is absolutely true in the parable Jesus is showing us, right? That these men were supposedly lovers of God, servants of God, but they had disdain for the broken man. They walked around the broken man. So we can actually love God and still not love what he loves. That we have to be intentional about loving other people. That we can love God and still avoid the homeless person. We can love God and still hate someone because they have a different political belief. We can love God and still look at the homosexual with disgust. We can love God and still 
not love what he loves in other people. That in order to love God, we have to love what he loves. Amen. Instead of stopping to help them, we would walk around them, shaking our heads, saying things like, well, they're only in this situation because of their choice. How many of you have heard that statement or said that statement yourself? I know I have. They're only in this situation because they made their own choice to be in that situation. And with that statement, we walk around the broken. Right? We give ourselves an excuse to ignore their brokenness. Because if they would have just made better choices with their life, then they wouldn't be in this situation. But what we don't realize is the same thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy us is the same thief that came and stole, killed, and destroyed them. That we may be in a different situation, but we're all fighting the same thief. We have all been robbed by the same thief and their life may look different than ours, but it is the same robber that has come and robbed from them. And so the excuse of they just made their own choice, they may have made poor choices along the way, but all along it was the same enemy lying in their ear that lies in our ear. So we have no excuse not to love what God loves. Jesus is our perfect example of this, right? In our brokenness, We made the bad choice to sin against God. We abandoned God and we disobeyed God. And Jesus didn't stand up there in heaven with his nose in the air and say, well, they made their choice. I'm just going to leave them down there broken. No, even in the bad choices that we made, he still chose to come down from his throne to immerse himself in our sin and our suffering so that he could redeem us out of it. He chose to immerse himself in our brokenness so that he could take that brokenness upon himself and redeem us out of that brokenness. Jesus is the good Samaritan in the story. The parable of the good Samaritan, Jesus is the good Samaritan, that he didn't walk around our brokenness and leave us there to die, but he immersed himself and our brokenness. He made our brokenness his problem. He bandaged up our wounds. He disinfected our wounds. He put us, put us on, his, on his donkey and he carried us when we couldn't carry ourselves. And he paid the cost for us. Jesus is the good Samaritan. He is the example of what we are to do with broken people around us. We love God. By loving our neighbor. We love God by loving our neighbor. And let me show you Jesus' motive for saving us. John chapter 6, verse 37 through 38. It says, but everyone my father has given to me. This is Jesus talking. Everyone my father has given to me, I will embrace and will never turn away. And I have come out of heaven, not for my own desires, but for the satisfaction of, of my father who sent me. Did you hear that? I've come out of heaven, not by my own desires, but I came from heaven to fulfill the desire of my father. What was the desire of the father? That Jesus would come and love what he loves. 
that Jesus would come and heal and redeem what he loves and once redeemed, which was us, us broken and in our sin and in our depravity. He stepped out of heaven immersed himself in our suffering so that he can redeem us. And it is the ultimate example of what we are to do to the broken people in our society. That we are not to walk around them being religious snobs, saying things like, ah, they just would have just made better choices. There is no excuse for us because Jesus took away all of our excuses. That if he was willing to immerse himself in our brokenness, then we who are image bearers, that we are on this earth to reflect Jesus into this world, are here so we can, we can help and build up and redeem those broken around us. Whether it's a homeless person, like Doug sees every day. That's the heart of Harmony House, to redeem people out of their brokenness. Whether it's someone like that, a drug addict, an alcoholic, whether it's somebody who is, is confused with their sexual identity. Let me say that one again. Whether it's somebody who is confused with their sexual identity. I, I know as Christians, we can get uncomfortable with that, that, uh, that particular scenario, can't we? But we are to immerse ourselves in their brokenness. Not, not to condone it, but to redeem it. Jesus, Jesus hung out with sinners, tax collectors, adulterers, prostitutes, not because he was agreeing with their lifestyle, but he was hanging out with them to show them the love of God and that there can be redemption from the brokenness. And our job as image bearers is to reflect the love of Jesus and immerse ourselves in the brokenness of the people around us so that we can introduce them to a God who has redemption, who has forgiveness and love and can pull them out of the brokenness in their lives. We have to be careful that we do not become callous to the broken people around us. That we do not let our hearts become bitter and become numb to the brokenness of people around us, but that we stay tender that when we see somebody who is broken, we don't come up with all kinds of excuses and we don't put labels and names on them. But instead, we see somebody who is the Lord loves and wants to redeem. And what, what do we say? We love God by loving them. We love God by loving what he loves. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Father, I thank you that you are our ultimate example in everything. Father, that, that, uh, that we only have to look to the scriptures to know how we are supposed to live this life. That you are our ultimate example. That we are your image bearers into the world. Father, I, I thank you, Lord, for Harmony House. I thank you for, for Doug and Leah and others, Lord, who have immersed themselves into that city they have immersed themselves into the brokenness of other people so that they, those people can experience redemption. So that those people can experience what it means to have life and life more abundantly. 
Father, I, I thank you for Harmony House, Lord. And, and before uh, we move on, God, I just pray blessings over that place in the name of Jesus. Father, that, that as they continue to minister to the broken in that community, Father, that you would just release a grace, Father, to pull people out of the brokenness that they are in. Father, that there would be a special anointing that rests on Doug and Leah to be able to pull people out of that brokenness, that you would give them revelation, Lord, beyond their own understanding, that they would have wisdom beyond their own understanding, Father, how to handle every situation that walks into that door. And God, that the turnaround in that building would be its own personal revival place. God, that, that, that place, that, that little building in the middle of that city, God, would experience revival, Lord, uh, beyond what we can even imagine or expect or, or even predict, Father. God, that, that people would walk in daily and be set free from addictions. God, people would walk in daily and be set free from poverty. God, people would walk in daily, Father, and be set free from wrong mindsets. God, that there would just be a, a, an anointing that rests on that house to heal the broken heart. God, that they, they would just be the light and example in that city, that they would be Jesus to that city, Father. And Father, I pray for, for all of us in this room, Jesus, God, that you would give us a heart to help the broken, the broken, Father. God, that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength isn't to know scripture in and out. It isn't to attend on Sunday mornings, but Lord, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is to love what you love. God, give us a heart to love what you love, to not look at others who, who we perceive as broken with disdain, but to see them as the Samaritan did in the story with compassion. God, help us to see the drug addict with compassion. God, help us to see the homosexual with compassion, the transgender with compassion. God, that we wouldn't see and label them for their brokenness, but God, we would see and label them as what they really are, which is a son and a daughter of God. God, let our hearts be tender toward the broken. God, let our hearts be tender even to those we disagree with. Father, let our hearts become tender to what your heart is tender to. God, let us love people like you love people. Let us see the neighbor how you see our neighbor. God, and let us respond with compassion like you responded with compassion. Thank you, Jesus. God, I'm grateful that you didn't turn your nose up at us. God, that you didn't leave us to deal with our own choices that we made. God, we made those choices ourselves. But you didn't, you didn't leave us there because we made our own choice. But God, you stepped in. Even when we didn't ask you to, Father, you did it anyways because you love us. And you had compassion on us. God, I'm thankful that you had compassion on us and you saved us. Let us return that by having compassion on the broken around us. 
God, we, should, we say yes today to immersing ourselves into their brokenness so that we can redeem them out of that brokenness and they can be whole and they can be healthy and they can see and sense the love of God for them. We pray this all in your holy name, Lord. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that and you want that, just say amen with me. Amen. 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 Well, once again, uh, Doug and Leah, I just can't honor you two enough for what you do there uh, at Harmony House. Uh, if, you, if you would like to still give to Harmony House, again, that basket's going to be on that table. Um, but even above that, uh, if you would like to volunteer and, and come and experience what Harmony House is all about, then there are signups for that also on that table as well. So uh, I just encourage you to do that and go experience it. And, uh, and, and be a part of healing the brokenness in that city. Was there one other thing? Oh, and yes, and Tithely is an option as well. Uh, just when you go into the app, hit the down arrow and, and highlight Harmony House. So that way we know where to put that money towards. So, all right. We love you all. Thank you for being here. We are tearing down today. So if you could help with that, we'd be very much appreciated. Have a good week.